Acts chapter number 1 in our Bibles this morning. Book of Acts chapter number 1. What a day it's going to be, I tell you that. I'm excited about seeing Jesus. It's going to be awesome to see Him in heaven and be with Him for all eternity in heaven. I hope you know the Lord is your personal Savior today. If you don't, you can. You can just place your faith and trust in Him. And when He's done for us on the cross of Calvary, what a great Savior. Last week we looked at a message from the book of Exodus entitled, Help, Lord, This Isn't Working. And sometimes we can find in our Christian life in the center of God's will, sometimes it's not working the way that we think it should. And uh, we looked at Moses and his prayer to God, and we remember that God always has a plan, and uh, we need to stay faithful. I want to continue same theme a little bit. Uh, except I want to preach a little different message. Help, Lord, I don't like waiting. You ever find yourself in that position? Help, Lord, I don't like waiting. I don't think any of us probably really like to wait. If we had time, it was the right forum, I'd have a discussion on the worst place or worst experience you ever had waiting. Uh, John's soccer team from Knoxville came up to our area to play soccer and uh, they made a nine-hour on Friday, a nine-hour trip. They did it in 13 and a half hours. They got stuck in traffic on 95. And, of course, I was such a good comfort to them when I said, yeah, I never take that way. <laughs> Don't you love it when people tell you something after the fact? Probably the worst experience I've ever had waiting has to be in the DMV. You go there for just a minute, you think you're going to just get a picture or whatever, and they give you the ticket and all the numbers flash. And uh, I think I might have been there one time for three hours. Now, I did take work to do. It's always important. My dad taught me, always take a book to read. And so I had work to do there. And, uh, but it was a long time. But I kept telling myself, oh, it'll be, it'll be soon. It'll be soon. It'll be soon. We don't like waiting. Have you ever been uh, asked of the Lord to do something? You felt like uh, God wants me to do something. And you had to wait really for him uh, to move in your circumstances. Sometimes this can be difficult. I remember when God convinced me that I needed to uh, go from being an assistant pastor to a senior pastor. I was convinced, and I was convinced on multiple occasions, but I had to wait for God to open up the door. You know, a young person will come and say, Pastor, I, I, uh, I feel like the Lord wants me to get married. Great. Praise the Lord. Now wait on the right person to come, right, in God's way, in God's timing. Sometimes we can get impatient. Somebody say, well, i got to get a new job. The environment that this is in is not good. Don't just quit the job unless they're, uh, you know, something, you know, your life's in danger or something. Find a new job. God's able to open that door. And sometimes we can be impatient uh, uh, with that. The early church here in Acts chapter number 1 for about 10 days was waiting on the Lord. Now, if you go back just a few pages to Luke chapter number 24, uh, actually, I guess it's a whole book, more than a few pages, you read a phrase in Luke 24, 49 that we'll read in Acts chapter number 1 as well. Uh, Jesus says this in Luke 24 and verse 49. He tells his disciples, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And then when we get to the book of Acts, we see Jesus before he ascends to heaven, his ministry here on earth 
with the disciples is finished. He died on the cross, was buried, he rose again. He's going to ascend up into heaven. And he says this in chapter 1 and verse number 5. He says, verse 4, gives a little background, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, I actually take a little different position on Acts chapter 2 than what you might call the traditional position. The traditional position in Acts 2 is that the believers were indwelt with the Spirit in Acts 2. I think the believers were indwelt in the Gospels. We can talk about it later. I think Acts 2 is really about empowerment. Uh, I think really we're looking at uh, the Holy Spirit of God coming in power. And, uh, and so Jesus is going to give them, he gave them a task to do. Remember in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, Jesus said what? He said, you shall be witnesses. You see, Pastor, why is it that you make a big deal? You always remind us that we should carry track. We should tell people about Jesus, tell them they know they're on their way to heaven. Because that's the emphasis Jesus had as we see it in the Gospels. And you know what we're waiting for is the rapture of the church. And we hear about things going on in Israel, and we say maybe we're closer to Jesus coming. Do you know what's holding his coming? Is individuals that need to be saved. Second Peter, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, right? But will that have all men to be saved and come unto the repentance. God wants everyone to place their faith and trust in him and to be with him in heaven for all eternity. And that's the message that we read. That's what Jesus told them here in Acts right before he ascends to the Father. Verse 7, he said unto them, Acts 1 verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. You see, when is Jesus coming again? Do you have a date and time? No, we don't. We don't know, but we know he is coming again. But here's what he says in verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witness unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and under the uttermost part of the earth. They're on Mount Olivet. And this is Jesus' last instructions before he ascends to heaven. You're going to receive power, be a witness to me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And then the early church, the disciples, they watched Jesus ascend up into heaven. And he's there, he ascends to heaven, and they're staring. They're still staring in the sky. And the angel says this in verse 11, which also said, verse 10, they looked up steadfastly toward heaven. Two men stood by them in white apparel, verse 11 now, which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. He gives him a promise. Now I want to see, we've got a promise in Acts chapter number 1, a promise of power. We've got the same promise in Luke chapter number 24. But Jesus says, tarry ye, wait until the power of the Holy Spirit comes. I want to preach a message this morning. I've given it to you already. Help, Lord, I don't like waiting. Sometimes in the will of God, doing what God asks, we're required by God to wait before he moves on our behalf. He gives the disciples the great commission. And then he says this, 
wait until you move forward. I want to have a word of prayer. I want to give you three thoughts this morning that I find helpful as I look at the response of the early church while they're waiting on the Lord. Lord, we love you today. Lord, I ask now that you would meet with us. Lord, you know where each one of us is in our relationship to you. Lord, I pray for someone here who doesn't know for sure they're on their way to heaven. Would today be the day they trust Christ as Savior? Lord, I do pray that you would help us all. Ultimately, we're waiting for you to come again. Well, Lord, there are circumstances and situations in our lives where we need to see you to move. We need to see you to work. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not get impatient. But I ask, Lord, that you would help us to wait on the Lord. Your timing is perfect. The Lord will thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Response number one, as I look at the early church to the Lord's command to tarry, response number one is to continue in the place of God. Question, why? In verse number 12, do we read this? Then returned they unto Jerusalem, which is from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Sabbath day uh, is journey, a little more than a half a mile. It's the distance the rabbis allowed the Jews to travel on the Sabbath. So that's approximately about how far maybe they, they were. But why did they go back to Jerusalem? You see, Pastor, uh, that's an easy question. Didn't you tell us a few verses earlier that Jesus said, tarry ye in Jerusalem? Didn't you tell us in Luke chapter number 24 that Jesus said to them, tarry ye in Jerusalem? Yes. Jesus said, hey, I am going to bless you. I am going to send my power as you tarry in Jerusalem, which is the place where I told you that's where I'm going to work. You see, sometimes we forget It is important to be where God wants us to be. I want you to hold your place in Acts. I've got three passages that we'll look at through the course of the message where we see this illustrated. This is a negative illustration, but I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter number 13. 1 Kings chapter number 13. Hold your place in Acts 1. We'll come back here in just a minute. In 1 Kings chapter number 13, God sent a man of God from Judah to Israel. The nation was divided at this point. He sends a man of God from Judah to Israel to prophesy against the cult at Bethel. Jeroboam was the king at that time. And the man of God comes, and the man of God, 1 Kings 13 the man of God cried, verse number two, against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord. Now for sake of time, we're not going to look at all the details, but the bottom line is he prophesies against the cold at Bethel. He prophesies God's judgment here. The Bible says in verse four, and it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, He put forth his hand from the altar and said, lay hold on him. God immediately judges him, end of verse 4, and his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up so that he could not pull it in again to him. And the guy's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And bottom line, he says, verse 6, entreat now the face of the Lord thy God and pray for me that thy hand may be restored and God restores his hand. Verse 7. 
And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. Note verse 8. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread nor drink water nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. To summarize... The prophet comes in and he declares judgment. And when the king recognizes this dude is legit, he says, come to my house and eat and drink with me. And the man of God says this, I have specific instructions from God that I am not to remain in Bethel. I am not to eat here. I'm not to drink here. I'm not to sleep here. This is not, Bethel was not the place of blessing for the man of God. And so he denied the king's request. The man was probably tired. The man was probably hungry, but he denies the request. By the way, let me just remind us of this. Sometime when we're waiting on the Lord, we are tempted to get away from the place of blessing. You see, what do you mean? A young person will say at 17, you know, I'm 17 now, and I've got all the answers, and I'm moving out, Mom and Dad. I don't like the way you operate. Now, there's a time and a place for people to move out. I get it. You don't want them staying there too, too long. But there's a time for that to happen. You see, somebody will say, well, God hasn't done what I want him to do for me. And uh, so, you know what? Uh, I'm going to get out of the place of God. I'm going to start getting out of church. And we'll look at this in just a little bit. The man of God had specific instructions from God. Bethel's not the place. You with me? Now he leaves. On his way home, look at what the scripture says. As we look at this, verse 10. So he went another way. Verse 11. Now there dwelled an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done. Why were they mad at this prophet? They're mad at this prophet because this prophet is giving to them the words of the Lord. By the way, when you tell somebody what the Bible says, sometimes people are not going to be all that happy with you. The issue isn't you. The issue is really God. It's about them and God. You're trying to help people. Well, they're kind of upset with this man of God, and so this older fellow... He finds out about it, verse 12. And their father said unto him, What way went he? For his sons had seen the way the man of God went. He said, Saddle me the ass, verse 13. He gets on his ass. He rides thereon, verse 14. He goes after the man of God. He finds him sitting under an oak and said, Art thou the man of God that came is from Judah? He said, I am. Then said he unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I uh, eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, don't do this. And he said, look at this, he lies to him. I'm a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, bring him back with thee to thine house. It's clear, but he lied unto him. End of verse 18. So he went back with him and eat bread in his house and drank. And the scripture says, long story short, the man, verse 23, came to pass after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, sat on his ass. Uh, uh, verse number 24, and when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. The judgment of God came upon the man of God. You see, why do we look at that story? Because God specifically told him, the pace of Bethel is not my place of blessing. Don't stay there. Don't eat there. 
he gets lied to, and he disobeys God, and he finds his life taken from him. Do you know God has chosen to bless in certain... Let, let, let's just look at... There's a lot of application we could make here, but let's just look at the local church. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. You say, well, look, we listen to what's going on in Israel. And we think, wow, Jesus is coming again. The day is approaching, and the day is approaching. Maybe we should meet more. Right? Maybe we should meet, uh, I know Bob would like this, Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night, <laughs> happy hour. You know, when you think about it, hey, the reality is, as I see the day approaching, I shouldn't go to church less. God has chosen to work in the local church. You say, I, I don't like that. You've got to take that up with the Lord. In Acts chapter 20, and verse 28, he purchased the church with his own blood. Ephesians chapter number 3, he said that he might uh, uh, be blessed in the church, right, throughout all ages. God's the one that set up the local church. God is the one that says to his people now, hey, uh, you come to the church, and you'll be encouraged one with another, and you'll hear the word of God, and people will pray for you, and we're in this, all of us are in this together. But sometimes we can find ourselves in our relationship with the Lord, Lord, I thought you were going to do this. And Lord, I, I was waiting on you to do this. And sometimes we can get impatient with what God's doing. By the way, let me just say this because I've seen this a lot. If God leads you from an independent Bible-preaching Baptist church, he's going to lead you to one. I've seen people say this. Well, God's leading me to take a job in Alabama. My first question is this. Is there a good church near where you're... I've known people to move. And you, hey, I can't find a church. I have to drive an hour and a half to a good church. Well, praise the Lord. You're driving an hour and a half to a good church. That's wonderful. But we got to think about these things. Somebody say, well, God wants me to leave Victory Baptist Church. Well, I hope that's not the case, okay? But if he leads you to leave Victory Baptist Church, he's going to lead you somewhere else. Independent, Bible-preaching church. Because God works through the church. God blesses. And we know God works through the home and uh, more could be said. Let me give you the second response. Let's go back to Acts 1 because we'll never get out of here. Uh, we got two more illustrations to look at too. Number one is continue in the place of God. All right? Early church, God said Jerusalem. Jerusalem's where we're going to be. Number two, continue in the pursuit of God. Continue in the pursuit of God. Look at what they do here in verse 13. And when Acts 1, 13. And when they were come in, they went to an upper room. It lists the people there. Verse 14. And these all continued with one accord. They were united in prayer and supplication with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Okay? They're seeking God. They're pursuing God through prayer. They were united. Prayer and supplication, really prayer is the idea of, of making requests, or you can be thankful, you can talk to God. Supplication is the idea of crying out or pleading for. God... I don't understand it, but God moves in answer to prayer. 
There are certain things that God somehow has left contingent upon us seeking him. They're not standing around saying, well, what are we going to do? They say, okay, let's have a prayer meeting. Let's pray together. Let's pursue God. They also sought God through the scripture. I want you to see, look at verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of his disciples and said, men and brethren, verse 16, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was to guide them that took Jesus. I won't take time to look at it. I was going to, but Acts 1, verse 16, you can go look at Psalm 41 and verse number 9, and you will see what Peter is referring to. Slide down to Acts, I mean, slide down to verse 20 in the same chapter. Peter says this, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and let his bishopric let another take. You can look at Psalm 69.25 and Psalm 109.8. Peter is referring back to the scriptures. All right, so what do we see? Peter basically says, hey, the book of Psalms says we got to find a replacement for Judas. So we see two elements here. While they're waiting on the power of God, while they're tearing in Jerusalem, we see them continuing in the pursuit of God, in seeking God. I'll tell you, this is so important. I think it was Hudson Taylor that said, don't allow the pressure of life to get between you and God. Allow the pressure of life to be on the outside to press you closer to God. You know, when the going gets rough, we need to pursue God more and more. But sometimes we can get off track. Exodus chapter 32, turn there. Familiar story, God's people got off track. Moses is in Mount Sinai. Moses is getting the Ten Commandments from the Lord. And while Moses is up there, the Bible says he delayed in coming down. If you look at Exodus 32 and verse number 1, you'll see this. The people saw that Moses delayed to come down. So he's up in Mount. Now, we know he'd been up there for 40 days. And the people of God are waiting on him, and they got impatient. And if you're familiar with the story, if you're familiar with the Bible, you're familiar with the story. And so what do they do? They... Moses delayed, and they gathered together themselves to Aaron, verse 1 of of Exodus 32. And they say, Aaron, up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we walk not what is become of him. And Aaron, of course, does what they tell him to do and makes a calf. And he says, this calf is your new God. Because they don't know what happened to Moses. They're impatient, and they want to worship. We were, we were kind of designed to worship. We're going to worship God or worship a, a calf or worship man. Isn't it interesting? They get their eyes off of Jehovah God, and they say, Aaron, make us a calf. And you know the story. He makes him a calf. Interesting. <laughs> when Aaron talks to the Lord, he says, it cracks me up, and he says, Lord, they gave me their earrings, and I threw them in the fire, and poof, this calf came up. Yeah, well, Aaron's blaming the people, right? 
It's the people, and this just happened. Yeah, it really just happened, you see. Uh, the reality is God delayed Moses. And of course, we know Moses comes down, breaks the commandments. We know the judgment of God comes upon his people. But we fail to realize that they chose a different God because they were in a time of waiting. And I tell you this, when we find ourselves in a time of waiting, it is easy for us to get off track. Well, maybe God doesn't really care. Maybe God has given me the opportunity to just decide whatever I want to do. We'll look at that in just a minute as we think about taking the next steps. We'll look at that in just a second. Uh, But the reality is we have to be careful and make sure. The devil wants you to spend less time with God. Sometimes while we're waiting on the Lord, we can be tempted to spend less time in prayer, less time in the word, and can give something else more of a voice in our lives than we should. Why do we do what we do? Because we believe what we believe. And the devil's trying to get us to embrace a different God, a God of this world, sports, entertainment. Jeremiah 29, 13, you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Number one, when God calls you to wait, continue in the place of God. Number two, continue in the pursuit of God. We're going back to Acts chapter 1, and I want you to see thirdly, continue in the path of God. Peter says... In 2021 of Acts 1, Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection? What's the next step Peter needs to take? He says, hey, we've got to get somebody to replace Judas. Verse 24, they have two. Verse 23, Justice and Matthias. Verse 23, they pray, Lord, show us. You know the hearts of, 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 of these men. Verse 25, they're going to take part in the uh, uh, ministry there. Verse 26, and they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. You see, God, while we're waiting, wants us to stay in his will. You know you find the will of God in the will of God. You say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay, what's the next thing you should be doing? What is the next thing God wants you to do? Well, God wants me to read my Bible. All right, then read your Bible. I mean, should we send time in prayer? You see, the next step, Peter and the early church didn't just sit around and do nothing. They said, Lord, what's the next step that we need to do? And sometimes we can find ourselves saying, well, I need a job. Okay, are you filling out an application? No, I'm just sitting at home waiting on the phone call. Wait a minute. (laughs) I've had to say to guys, I said this to a guy. (laughs) I was talking to a kid, I don't know, months ago. And, uh, yeah, praying about this girl, praying about this girl, you know, yeah. And uh, finally I sent him, I'm waiting on the Lord. And finally I sent him a text and he got confused. And my text was, maybe God's waiting on you. And he's like, what do you mean by that? Call the girl's parents. Call the girl. Maybe you need to take the next step. You see, while we're waiting on the Lord, God will show us, hey, as I'm waiting on God to do something, hey, I got to stay right in his path. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, 
You can turn there if you want. I'm going to summarize. Actually, I will read uh, one scripture. 1 Samuel chapter number 13. Saul is the king. He's the king of Israel. He was the first king of Israel. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter number 13 that Saul is up against it. The Philistines are coming. It looks like they're outnumbered. And uh, Saul, being the king of Israel here, is worried about it. God told Saul in 1 Samuel 10, tarry you until I come. Samuel's going to come and Samuel's going to offer a burnt offering. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, the Bible says in verse number 8, And he, Saul, tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal. The day was not ended. And the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring her the burnt offering to me. And he offered the burnt offering. You see, God said to Saul, you wait till Samuel gets there. When Samuel gets to Gilgal, he's my prophet. He will offer. I've ordained him to offer the offering. And Saul gets impatient. He sees the enemy, and he says, i got to take things into my own hands. And he disobeys the clear word of God. Somebody say, I've had people say this to me. You know, Pastor, uh, I need to get married. God's convinced me I need to get married. Okay, okay, good. And I'm going to marry this individual, and they're unsaved. And wait, hold on just a second. Wait a second. You're telling me that God is leading you to get married. Okay, fine, we're good. But God's leading you to marry someone that does not know the Lord? Look at what the Bible says. You see, many a decision is made in haste. Maybe even being convinced, hey, that this is what God wanted them to do. Like the job thing. Well, God convinced me I've got to leave my job, so I quit. Well, hold on, you quit, but you don't have another job. God, God's big enough to lead, or God's leading me to move, so I just left. Wait, 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 wait. God's big enough to lead you to move from one place to another place. And see, we need to recognize that I have to continue in the path that God has for me. Saul decided instead of waiting, he'd take things to his own hands. And the Bible says, Samuel said to Saul, you've done foolishly. You've not kept the commandment of the Lord. For now the Lord would have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. Interesting. In Job chapter 42 and verse 10. Do you know when Job's captivity ended? The Bible says in Job 42 and verse number 10. Interesting. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Job was going through a difficult time, waiting for the Lord to deliver. But when he took the next step in the path of God and prayed, God delivered. Early church, Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem. That's the place that I'm going to bless. Hey, while you're tarrying, we're going to pray. We're going to immerse ourselves in the scriptures. What are we doing? We're going to pursue God. God's ways are not our ways. His ways are higher. But God knows what he's doing. And in God's timing, he's able. Pursue him. Thirdly, continue in the path of God. Lord, what is the next step? That you want for me. You look at Acts chapter 2. 
There was a 10 day for them. The Spirit of God came in power. God kept his promise as he always does. You may be here this morning and don't know for sure you're on your way to heaven. Well, I hope I know I'm on my way to heaven. God's already done the work. Jesus came, he died on the cross. He suffered for you. You don't need to wait. You wait on you to take the next step. Place your faith and trust in him. All of us will find ourselves in waiting times. We don't like to wait, but it's good for us. It's good for us if we'll respond as the early church did. Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you for your truth. Lord, I ask that you would help us. The times in our lives where we feel, no, God's going to do this, and we're waiting on you. Lord, I pray you'd keep us close to you. I pray you'd help us to recognize that there is a place you promise you'll bless. Lord, you promise as we pursue you, we'll find you and we search you with all our heart. Lord, you always promise to bless obedience. Lord, I pray you'd work in our hearts. Lord, if there's someone here this morning who doesn't know for sure they're on their way to heaven, would today be the day in Jesus' name? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder.